0: Hey, turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter 2, as we continue our journey together uh, through that first book of the Bible. And as we begin, let me give you a little bit of a background. We're only in two, but remember, Genesis 1, very, very important. How does the story begin? The story begins with God, the hero of the story, and the hero of the story is going to create everything that exists out of nothing. How this mighty God, this God unlike any other, is going to create all things. He's going to speak the word, the word of God. It's amazing. And as we look through uh, chapter 1, and as he's creating everything, there's a pause. And there's a very interesting pause as he's creating that will tell us, hey, there's something special going on here. There's something different in the cadence of God's creation story. He pauses, and he takes counsel with himself. This one God who exists in three persons, he stops his creating process. He says, let us make man in our own image. Let us make both male and female in our own image. It's it's so important for us to see that because here we have, really in many ways, the crown jewel of God's creation, male and female being created in his image. And then we get to Genesis 2, and it's, a, it's amazing because what's he going to do in Genesis 2? He's going to perform, God himself will perform the first wedding ceremony. And then when we read the end of the book, when we get to the end the book of Revelation, we will see that the Bible ends with a wedding feast. So there's a lot here for us to understand immediately that God, he wants to tell us who he is. That's what the Bible's for and what he requires of us. He wants to tell us who he is through all the things he creates. But the specific thing that he wants to tell us who he is is through creating male and female, both in his image. We need both for us to understand who God is. Whoever you are, you are either male or female. And together, we tell a story. His story of who he is. More than that, God has created and given us an institution of marriage, right for this, to tell us how he loves. The Bible is going to begin with the creation of male and, women, uh, male and female to tell us who he is. So we know who we are in his image. But he gives us marriage. And the ultimate reason he does in this wedding feast to come is to show us how God loves Let me be very specific. We don't know God fully without understanding male and female. Because both are made in his image. Did you hear that? We don't know fully God unless we fully understand maleness and femaleness. Because both reflect who God is. Both are made in his image. And when he gave us marriage, we don't know how God loves. What until we know his intention for marriage? Let me be very specific with that. We do not know how God loves until we understand God's purpose for marriage. Now, this does not mean if you're not married, you can't understand God's love. It does not mean if you're married, divorced, single, uh, widowed, that you uh, can't embrace God's love. But he has given us these things, male, female, in marriage to tell his story, to reflect who he is. And so it's very important that we understand this so we know God. My favorite painting, uh, the painting that I love, it's, it's in my office here, it's in my home study, is the uh, uh, painting of the prodigal son by Rembrandt. I mean, it's just this beautiful work uh, that Rembrandt has uh, that will continually remind me uh, of who I am. It shows a picture of, it's, it's based on Luke 15. And it's based on that, that son who went out and just spent everything he had and lived foolishly apart from the love of the father. And he thought he deserved to be treated like a slave, not a son. He thought he forfeited the father's love. And he makes his way back home, but his father's looking for him. And the father can't stand the distance, so he bridges the gap by running. And he runs to his son. And he runs to his son, and, he, and, he, and he, the son kneeling before him as Rembrandt sees it. Notice this picture. I mean, the, the son's hair is either gone or all matted. He's had some hard living. You notice the left shoe, it's gone. The right one's barely hanging on. I, just, I love this picture because it just so pictures me. I have nothing to offer holy God. I have nothing to bring to the Father except for my filth. And, and, and all the places I shouldn't have been. And yet I come and I kneel before him. And I feel the amazing love of God. You see what's happening there? It's, it's a picture of love. It's not a picture of lecture. It's not a picture of rebuke. I mean, that, that's the gospel. That's the grace right there. But Rembrandt did something really amazing in that painting. Henry Nouwen pointed it out to me. Henry Nouwen uh, loved this painting as well. And he, he was able to go to St. Petersburg where it is and, and spend hours sitting and looking at it. And Nouwen in his book, The Return of the Prodigal, uh, pointed out that something that, that made this come alive to me. He pointed out that, that Rembrandt painted, actually, the, the, the right hand of the father uh, is, a, is a woman's hand. It's a female hand. And the left hand is, is a male hand. It's, it's, it's just showing so much this picture of God. It's, it's showing the, the, the left hand, the fatherly hand, the strength, the authority of a father's embrace. He shows the tenderness. It's almost like a mother's tenderness, a mother's love. And in in that picture, so much is communicated. And I love how Rembrandt picked up the fact that there's both this this maleness and this femaleness, if you will, of a reflection of God's love. Why? Because God made us male and female in his image. And we just don't get God until we get that. We've got to look at both our male and femaleness and and marriage in light of God's story. Not our own. And what he's trying to communicate to us about who he is. Because he is a God that we see there that is both authoritative and strong. And tender and loving. Let's look to God's word. We're going to pick up the story in Genesis 2 where we we left off uh, in verse uh, 18. Again, uh, a reminder, God has created all things and he's created man in his image and he's, he's placed them in the garden to work, uh, to work for him and to keep it beautiful and alive and um, to cultivate it. And man is in the garden doing what God has created him to do. And all of a sudden we're going to hear a thud in creation, in paradise. Let's see if you can hear it. Verse 18. Then the Lord said... It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every air of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the heavens, to every beast of the field, but Adam, but for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and the wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Let us pray. Oh, Father God, we have sung what is a reality for me this morning, is that we need you every hour. Father, we do need you every hour, but this is the hour that we have set aside to worship you, to focus upon you in a special corporate way and to open up your word. And oh, how we need you to come and make sense of your story, because ultimately this is your story of a God who is and a God who loves and a God who rescues and a God who creates and a God who restores. And oh, how we need you to see you in this story. Oh, how we need you to understand who we are and what you've created us for in this story. So God, come with power, be with us. Come and join us in a way that God, everything changes. That you speak through a broken sinner like me That you give each one of us ears to hear your voice, not mine. That, Father, that you would shine your truth through the power of your spirit into each one of our minds. So that we would understand why you created male. Why you created female. And what this purpose of marriage is all about. Father, we ask that you would guard our hearts. Break our hearts. Open our hearts to your truth. Drive away the darkness. Darkness. Drive away the junk and fill it with your presence and your reality. Father, may our hearts beat for you. And God, we ask that you would graciously be with us in a way that we walk out of here obedient. Obedient to who you are and what your word says. But we walk out of here with our heads held high, knowing that in the midst of the story, in the midst of our brokenness, you still love and you still rescue and you still use us. Oh God, come, come and receive glory and come and give us great challenge, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, the first thing we gotta see is what in the world couldn't be good about paradise? There's something not good in paradise. I mean, God has created all things. He's declared all things good. He stepped back, he's looking at it, says, that's good. And when he gets done and he creates male and female, he says, that's really good. And yet there's one thing, even in paradise, that is not good. And so God makes a declaration. He declares what isn't good, and what isn't good is that man shall be alone. This is so amazingly important. You know what this is telling us? I mean, in paradise, there's something not good, that man is going to be alone? Here's what it says. It says that God's story, men, is incomplete without females. That God's story of who He is and how He loves isn't complete until God creates woman. You know what else it tells us? God created us for community. I mean, paradise isn't paradise with just God. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing if you think about it. Man created in God's image. Man in paradise reigning and ruling for God. I mean, amazingly... Man with a relationship with God that is unbroken because of sin and harmony with God. I mean, man ruling creation for God in a time where, where there wasn't a fall. We'll get to that next week. In a time where creation obeyed God's image that was to rule. Can you imagine calling down the birds from the air, ruling for God? And yet there's one thing that wasn't good is that man was alone. You know what this is telling us? God has created us for one another. I mean, listen, God has created us for companionship. God has has created us for community. I mean, God is basically saying, for all of you who think that it's enough, that I could just have Jesus and, and that's enough. I don't need anybody else. I just need God and God alone. Well, there's some truth to that. He is the only way. He is the only truth. He is the only life. But God made you for more. Paradise isn't paradise with God alone. Paradise has to be paradise when we're in community. Why? Because God's forever lived in community. There was never a time when God wasn't in community. You see, there is one God, Scripture tells us. There's one true and living God who is an eternal God. He's an all-powerful God. But he exists, and there's a mystery to this. This one God exists in three persons, three distinct, separate persons. There's there's God the Father, there's God the Son, there's God the Holy Spirit. We call that a triune God. And for all eternity, this triune God has lived and existed in community, and he makes us in his image, right for this, for community. I heard some tragedy out of my hometown, uh, very close to my hometown this week, uh, in Herkimer, New York. If you went to Herkimer, it's a little, small little cozy bedroom community in the middle of beautiful upstate New York and this guy went on a rampage and he killed four people and it said about him he says he's never talked to anybody I mean his neighbors never heard him talk he never heard him live in community God has created us we, we, we will become evil we will become monsters if we don't have paradise will be lost if we don't have community uh, with one another God has created us for one another You know what else this tells us, guys? Man, it's just humbling. Men, on our best day. On our best day. When we had God in paradise. On our best day. We needed help. (laughs) That's humbling. Is it not humbling? I mean, seriously. On our very best day. When there wasn't sin that was reigning in this world or in our bodies. We needed help, fellas. Not good. So God created woman to help him. Now, the question you want to ask is this. Help him do what? Most men have an answer for that, don't you, huh? I'll tell you what I want to help with. Here's the list. No, we got to look to God and say, God, why did you create female as a helper? It is humbling to know that I needed help or we needed as men help on our best day. But why did you create females to help us? To help us do what? Ultimately this, to tell God's story. To tell and reflect who God is and live out his story. Because it's not a complete story without male and female. Why did he create female? I use this terminology a lot. I think hopefully it'll get into our brains. He created women like men to do two things. To be in submission to God. To be in submission to God. That's ultimately what God has called you to do. He placed Eve in the garden and says, listen, you can't eat the fruit either. Uh, you got to submit to me. I, I am your ruler. I'm your father. I'm, I'm the ultimate love of your soul. He had created you to help tell my story, but you tell my story by living in submission to me. And secondly, living on mission for me. To be my representatives. Ladies, God has created you beautifully and fearfully, wonderfully in his image. And his story is incomplete without you. God says to both men and women, here's what I want you to do. I want you to fill the earth with my glory. I want you to fill the earth with my story. I want you to fill the earth with my, my reality and my love. And the earth can't be filled with his glory unless we do something he tells us to do, to multiply, to increase. We can't do it without male and female. So God created us for that. He created us for, for community. He didn't want us to live in isolation. And it wouldn't be paradise if we were alone. Did you see how God showed the man he was alone? I mean, this is the beauty of God's word. Did you see how he did it? Now listen, look, look at it. He first declares it. It's not good that man should be alone. He makes that declaration because you know what? God knows what's good and what's not good. And he looks at the situation. He says, you know what? Not good, man alone, but I'm going to show man that he is alone. Did you see how God showed man how he was alone? It's the coolest thing. He gets them in front of all the animals. He says, I'm going to bring you the animals and I want you to name them. You think God ran out of names? You think God was tongue-tied? Of course not. What was God doing when he's sitting back, and I can picture him with a big grin, watching man name Hippopotamus, giraffe, alligator, elephant, tiger. Why? God is showing man his dominion. Just like you have dominion over your children, you name them. God is showing man, this is what I've created you to do. But you know what else God did? He showed him you have dominion, but you have no companion. You have no one who's suitable for you. You have no helper that's really made for you. And I don't know, this is Jeff, this is not Bible, but I gotta tell you, I just picture the dog coming. And I picture a golden retriever. And I just picture Adam saying, is this my helpmate? Is this my helpmate? Is this my helpmate? Go get it, boy! I mean, it's man's best friend, right? But at the end of the day, saying, no... There's no companion, so I'll create a woman. See, God created, if you want to follow along again with your outline, the bulletin, God created both male and female to tell us who he is. man needed a helpmate, one who was suitable for him, one who uh, both male and female reflect his image to tell us who he is, so he created this helpmate. Women, how do you like the word helpmate? Does that sound a little pejorative? Does that sound a little, hmm, help me. Let's take a look at this again. Let's let's start with man. You know, he was made first. What does it say about man, Uh, according to the first two two chapters? Well, we see that man has dignity. Any man here, any male, you have dignity. Why? Because you were made in the image of God. Man, you have worth. You have humility. Why? Because you know how God made you men? How he made us? Dust dirt I stopped and I thought is that why I feel like dirt sometimes God just kind of my true self coming out it's probably more of the fall and sin but we were created with dignity in his image humility made of dirt dignity we're called to represent God on earth what an amazing thing you know that all of God's creation speaks of him but you men you're to reflect it more than anything and then humility men on your best day you needed help it's true All right, women, you too were created with dignity. Listen to this, amazing dignity. You were made in God's image as well. I'm gonna use a couple terms here we gotta get. Women, ontologically, in your being, God created you the same as man. Ontologically, in your being, you are equal in your status and standing before God. You're equal. However, functionally, you are different than man. God created woman to be a different image bearer, a different function. You function differently than man, but you have great dignity. You also have humility. You were made from a rib of man. According to a guy in my community group, he's actually a doctor, supposedly smart guy. He said that, uh, he talked about a woman being created from a rib. He said that God came to Adam and said, okay, what would you like in a woman? What would you like in a helpmate? He says, I'd like her to do the dishes, the laundry, keep the house clean, be pregnant, and barefoot all the time. God puts him to sleep. He wakes up, gives him reality. There's uh, Eve. He said, well, what happened here? He said, well, you wanted something for an arm and a leg. I only took a rib. So that's all you have. So it wasn't that good. I'm sorry. <laughs> dignity, humility, uh, uh, another dignity, God made an easer. That's the Hebrew word, ezer, to describe uh, what it means to be a helper. That's who you are, a helpmate. Women, this word Ezer is used the most to describe God. God is our help. God is our Ezer. God is our Ebenezer, our, our rock of strength and refuge. Ezer is not a name that's weak, Ezer is a name that's a warrior. I mean, this is this is who God made in, in his image. You have great dignity being made a helpmate. And then scripture says this. This is so beautiful as well. It says, women was created in God's image and they are to be fit for us. Suitable, maybe your translation says. Let's dig into that Hebrew word a little bit. What does it mean that woman was created to be fit or suitable for man? Is that there's a part of this, when you start digging into this word, it means this. Woman was created to be face-to-face, to be beheld right before man. I love this. And another one says, really, this word is saying it's telling the solution to a riddle. It's telling this. Woman was created to tell the solution to the riddle that it's not good for man to be alone. It solves the puzzle. One, one, uh, one dictionary I looked at says this. This word Usually, it means usually superior at points of difference. Usually superior at points of difference. That's the beauty of a woman. And I can attest, my goodness, is my wife really superior in most points of difference. And what a blessed thing it is to have both male and female reflect who God is. Another one says this, equal and adequate. Bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh. Woman, help me. Taken from the side of man, the rib of man. Matthew Henry, uh, an English Puritan, wrote this. It's often quoted at a wedding about woman. Not made out of his head to top him. Not made out of his feet to be trampled on by him. But out of his side to be equal with him. Under his arm to be protected and near his heart to be loved. 19th century Italian rabbi Cassudo wrote this. Just as the rib is found at the side of man and is attached to him, even so the good wife, the rib of her husband, stands at his side to be his helper, his counterpart, and her soul is bound up with him. Helper. To help Adam tell God's story. To fulfill his vocation. To fill the earth with his glory. To share in his enjoyment and to share in the enjoyment of God's creation to respect God's laws, an amazing helper. Here's the deal. To get God, we have to understand it's you being fully male if you're male or fully female if you're female. That tells God's story because that reflects who he is. That's why his word says it's repugnant. If, If you're a male to dress like a female or if you're a female to be like a male, I didn't make you that way. You're truncating my story. You're, you're not really showing my glory. It's beautiful of who I am in you together. There's a false chauvinistic view of this. A chauvinistic view will say that women are weak or inferior. Wrong. There's a false feminist view that says women are superior. Wrong. We are all at the same ontologically in our beings before God. Beautiful. Reflecting who he is, but functionally different. I love what Adam says when he sees Eve. He says these words, at last. Wow. Wow. One who's fit for me. One who's suitable. It's not an animal. And it's not another male. Sexes are equal. What we see with this is a complementarian theology uh, that we see of male and female that we complement one another to tell God's story. Only in a complementary union of male and female equal with different uh, functions can we be fruitful and multiply. Male and females are equal in their dignity but different in our traits and functions. But here we are, we're equal but we're not interchangeable and we are not Equivalent. We live in a society that wants to strip us of our maleness. We live in a society that wants to strip us of our femaleness and wants to say that the most noble, great thing that we could be is just like unisex. It's not God's story. That's not God's plan. That's not who God is. God created in his image male and female. And for us to tell our stories is we got to be fully male or fully female according to what God's word says. Why? Let's go back to that creation story. Why did he say we? Why did he say let us make a man in our own image? It's just, listen. That's how beautiful this is. God exists three persons equally. The Father has no more glory than the Son. The Son has no more glory than the Holy Spirit. There is one God. They're equal and they're one substance, equal in their glory, equal in their value, but distinct in their roles. I mean, the Father's the one before the foundation of the world that says, I'm going to choose for myself those who I'm going to set a particular love on. Jesus, the Son, is the one who would come and rescue us and become our sins distinctly different. The Holy Spirit is the one who would come and apply the Father's love and the work of his Son to us. And they function as one to tell us who they are, equal yet very different in their roles. Sometimes those roles require submission and and love and and loving one another and upholding one another up. God created male and female to tell us who he is. But God also instituted marriage to show us how he loves. You see, is marriage about your love story or is it about God's love story? Think about that. Is marriage ultimately about your love story and happiness or is it ultimately about God's? It's his story. He wants to communicate something about him to us, through it. Listen, if he is the one who instituted marriage, and he is, he's the one who should govern it. He's the one who should rule over it. It's his. God's the one who gave us the first marriage. God's the one who, who I love this picture in Genesis 2. You know what he does? He's the one who not only officiates the wedding, he also ushers the woman down the aisle. Presents her to Adam. I had a small way this summer the joy of doing that walking the most beautiful girl down the aisle and presenting her to a husband and flipping around and officiating that wedding. That's just an amazing picture of what was happening in in Genesis 2. And he said this. We're going to focus on this last verse. For this reason. This is why marriage is this. God's saying this. This is for this reason. God's will for marriage. Okay? Okay? We can't define marriage the way we want to define it or the way that fits our needs. We can't. It's not ours. No matter what the government says, no matter what a president says, I mean, we can't legislate marriage apart from how God has called us to do and not dishonor him. It's the reality. Second point on that is God cannot bless a union outside of what his creation intended. He can't do it. I mean, think about that for a minute. If God created marriage between male and female, uh, who have committed to one another in in an oath and bond, he can't bless anything else outside of that, or he'd have to change. He'd have to change who he is and how he thinks, and he can't do it. So any union outside of God's intended union for marriage can't be blessed by God. No matter how noble we think it is or how right we think it is. God, see, it's God's love story, not ours. What God has brought together, Jesus says, Jesus says this about marriage in the New Testament. What God has brought together, let no man put asunder. I say it at every marriage. What God has brought together, let no man put asunder. And what you're really declaring is, may this union forever be. But think a little closer what that really means. What God has brought together. What has God brought together? A male and a female, both reflecting his image, to become one, to tell his story. That's what God has brought together. Let no man ever put asunder and think there's another way to do it. We just can't change it. This is his story, his design. Listen, since we are made in his image, Since we are made in his image, we cannot declare good what God has not declared good. Romans 14 says that when we declare good which God hasn't declared good, we are in sin. Now, church, we usually go to a high horse and some stones at this point and want to start chucking at people who don't see it this way. Here's our response We too are sinners. We too need Jesus, but we need to speak the truth in love. We've got to speak the truth in love. And the most loving thing we can do is say, listen, it's about God's story. It's about his intent. He, he created it. He tells us how to rule it. And I, I'm not sitting in judgment, but I've got to say is this. I'm sitting in his, under his authority. God's will for marriage. He says these things. Leave. Uh, this is what he says to the husband. Leave your family. Leave your family. Uh, The bond of marriage should take priority over any other family bond. That's what it's basically saying. The most important family unit to tell God's story is between husband and wife. No matter what happened in your upbringing, great or bad, you got to leave it. There's a a new family that's being formed, and you got to be careful the baggage that you bring into this. And and the kids that God blesses you with, they're not as important as that marriage. Oftentimes we fail that. I know it's a unique love, but God is saying that's a marriage that's going to reflect. Your relationship with Christ, that's the most important. Leave your father and mother. And then he says this, cleave. Cleave or hold fast. I love this definition. Unite to someone through a covenant and a binding oath. You know what he's saying? Leave and cleave, you can't just live with them. God never intended marriage to be something we just try to see if it works. He never intended for men and women to say, hey, you know what, let's just get our stuff together. Let's hang out together. Let's live together and see if this works. What you're basically saying is, I want to keep my options open. And God's saying, that's not my intention for marriage. you got to leave your father and mother. And you got to have a public act, a covenant commitment, and declare what you plan to do before God. Be, be united and be accountable. you got to become one flesh. This is not simply sex, although sex uh, certainly reflects the unity it's supposed to of our, of our marriage covenant. This is saying it's monogamy is God's way, it's unity, it's solidarity. Why would God say he wants us to become one? Why? Because again, God is one. God is both singular and plural and we in marriage are to be both singular and plural. And sex is like a covenant promise and you're promising in marriage. It renews and revitalizes your marriage covenant. It's clearly good. It's supposed to be a healthy part of marriage. But it needs to be, listen, it needs to be done in a covenant commitment. It needs to be done after you've left father and mother. Young people, if you haven't left father and mother and you haven't made a public commitment, it's never God's will for you to be sexually active. If you've got to fear father and mother, fear them for what you're doing. You're outside of God's plan for you. He wants something more. He wants something better. And that's what that one flesh is to reflect You shouldn't have to go home to father and mother after sex. Naked and unashamed is how God wants us to be. Totally transparent in vulnerability before our spouses. No shame, openness, and trust. It's basically a reflection of who we are in Christ. Man and woman, that's our goal. Oh, my. Do you know how many stories I'm hearing about our young people? Naked and unashamed. Unashamed. There's a new thing out called Snapchat. It's an an app where you can take your picture and send it to somebody, and you can set the timing of when it dissolves. It gives them the false security that they can send a nude picture and unashamed and somehow let that dissolve. The stories, even this week, that I've heard of our children involved in steep pornography and deep sexual perversion should make us all weep. God has created us in a marriage to keep the marriage bed pure and a covenant before Him to ultimately reflect who we are in Christ Jesus, naked and unashamed, covered in His blood and righteousness, and it's okay. That's the picture He wants. But we live in the filth and we're drinking the sewage of what this world has to offer about being naked. And listen, anything outside of marriage, anything outside of being naked in front of your spouse, you should be ashamed. Why? Because I said to you in the beginning of this series, it's all about Jesus. And marriage is all about Jesus too. It's to reflect our relationship with Him. Marriage is a reality that we find our ultimate fulfillment in Christ. Jesus calls us His bride. He is the bridegroom. It's Jesus who is bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh and our Savior. And we are to be one with Him. It's His love story. First Corinthians seven says that doesn't mean because He wants to communicate His love to us that we all have to be married. If you're here and you're not married, never been married, widowed, a widower, divorced. 1 Corinthians 7 says that for some of you, you're to remain in that condition. But just know what God is trying to communicate through marriage. You're not broken goods. You're not damaged. It's not because you're not lovely. But marriage is not for everybody in a fallen world. Let me also say this, marriage is never the cure-all. So many, so many, especially single women that I've talked to. So many single women feel they're so incomplete until they get married and they get a gold band. They feel like there's something wrong with them until they walk down an aisle. If that's you, women, you are not incomplete apart from Christ. Did you hear that? I mean, you're beloved in him. And and if that's God's will for you, he's gonna bring that. You're not damaged. It's not a cure-all. But whoever you are, all of us in the new heavens and new earth will be married. There'll be no one single. A new heavens and new earth, but we'll all be married to Christ. We will all be married to Christ Jesus. You see, that's why he's given us his marriage to reflect what's to come. What God has joined together, let no man put asunder. There should be a permanence to this commitment. And the purpose is to fill the whole earth with his glory. Here's the concluding thoughts celebrate your maleness, celebrate your femaleness. Need to understand that God wants to communicate His love story for you. Katie and I just had our fourth child, and we uh, went through a time of darkness. It was uh, it was just kind of that postpartum depression, you know? I mean, have you been there? You poor women, my gosh, you have a child and the hormones are going off the charts. You give birth, the thing won't stop crying. You're, you're up all the time. I mean, it's, a, it's just emotionally a train wreck a lot of times. You're supposed to be happy. and do never forget, and I got permission to tell this, but the reality is, is there was probably the first time in our life just kind of that darkness rolled in. I remember saying to her, like, I think all of our dreams are fulfilled and we're still empty. She said, I can't be it. I said, yeah, I think it is. And I realized, I realized afresh, listen, that I could not even love one person well enough to make her happy and free. That I couldn't even love one enough to fill all the void in her life. That I couldn't even love one to make her complete. And oh, how I wanted to be her source of strength. Oh, how I wanted to be her identity. Oh, how I wanted to be her joy. Oh, how I wanted to be everything to her. I wanted to be Jesus. I just couldn't do it. And I realized if I really loved her, if I really, really loved her, I would bring her to the one who can fill her. I'd bring her to the one who truly loves her. I'd bring her to the one who is her savior, is her rock, is her identity. And the greatest love story would be his love story. And if I could really see myself loving her that way, I'd be free. And she'd be free. How have I done? That was years ago. Uh, we're in marriage counseling right now. I'm not kidding you. It's 25 years. I, I don't know of a better marriage than Katie and mine. It's phenomenal, it's been phenomenal. But after a marriage conference, there were some things that I've realized that, you know, my junk for 25 years has really caused the sewage. And there's some brokenness that we've got to get figured out. And I want to tell you as your pastor, if that's where you are, go. Because God wants you to know the depths of his love. And he wants you to know the beauty of marriage. And it's incredible that male and female in his image to reflect who he is and to show this love story of how he loves through us. It's phenomenal. But he instituted it, so he governs it. It's all for his glory. Listen, some of you are sitting here thinking, dang, I'm disqualified. I've messed it up bad. Some of you are thinking, you know what? I just can't live to the standard. I've already messed it up. I'm already unpure. We can't leave here with the reality that, that you you think and that you've just messed it up and that somehow your mess up's bigger than God's love. And somehow you think that your brokenness and your story can't be healed and rescued, and you don't think the blood of Christ can cover and, and do amazingly th- things for you. I mean, I, I know for many of you you're so lonely and you're so broken, maybe lonely in a marriage, or maybe b- lonely because of a broken marriage, or maybe there's an empty seat next to you that, that someone's just gone to be with Jesus and it's just ripping you apart right now. And let me just tell you the sufficiency and the beauty of Christ Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. But let me also remind you that you haven't done anything or gone anywhere that you're disqualified from the Father's love ever. Turn to Jesus. I mean, again, he just wants to tell a story through you. Be you in love with Jesus. Let him heal you. Let him fill you. And don't let the enemy just take a big stick and say you're disqualified. It's not true. God knew that we'd be a mess. He knew we'd be broken. That's why this whole thing reflects Jesus. We're so grateful for the grace and for a, for a bridegroom that'll never let us go and a savior that makes us beautiful. That's who he is. Let's pray. Father, we live in a time that wants to tell us what marriage should be. And we live in a time that wants to tell us the value of male and female. And everybody's so messed up. <laughs> the feminists, are messed up. The chauvinists, they're messed up. Our own hearts were messed up. And we're going to get it wrong. And God, we're going to get marriage wrong. We're going to think it's about us. We're going to think it's about our happiness. We're going to think it's about our children. We're going to think it's about us and everything. It's all about you. It's all about you. Male and female to tell your story. Marriage to show your love. God, I pray for those in this room. That are deeply wounded, deeply lonely, deeply hurting. That maybe because of their own sin or maybe because of the sin of somebody else, it's just such brokenness in their story. I I could just feel it as I pray. God, come and heal us. We have kids that are consumed in porn. We have marriages that are consumed. We live in a culture that's drinking deeply from the sewage. And you want so much more. God, I pray for boldness. I just pray that we trust you. I pray that our students will somehow trust you. That your plan for marriage is the best for them. They'll be the most happy. They bring you glory. Protect them. God, our young people are just getting killed. And us adults, we're too stupid to even know how to get on that technology. God, our marriages are falling apart. Your church is awfully dirty. We need help. God, thank you for making male and female to show us how beautiful you are. Thank you for making marriages to show us how deeply you love. Amen.